0: This is episode 272 of the AWS podcast, released on November 4th,
1: 2018. Some water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AWS podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back. And this is an on-the-road edition in beautiful Canberra, the capital of Australia. And I'm joined by a very, very special guest and an old colleague, Mr. Glenn Gore. Welcome, Glenn.
0: Hey, Simon. Awesome to be here.
1: Now, Glenn is one of our uh, lead architects globally and has uh, seen more systems than most of us have had hot dinners. <laughs> Uh, He's also one of the best-travelled men I've ever met, has gone to many, many locations. But that's another story, I think. It could be (laughs) be another whole podcast around uh, interesting places that you've seen tech installed around the world. Exactly. But uh, what Glenn and I thought we'd do, given it's one of the rare moments, we're in the same room at the same time, is to do something that many customers don't get a chance to do, much as they'd have a good intention to, and certainly we don't get a chance to do. And that's to refactor a system that we built in the past,
0: this is where we're going to pay for the sins of the
1: past. <laughs> the it? sins of the past come and visit us. So we, uh, we, back in 2014, had a bright and shiny idea for our Sydney summit, which was let's create a voting app that the entire population of Australia, being 22 million at the time, could use.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as soon as go back to 2014, we did summits, it was actually about you and I saying, you know, what if we could show people what you can do with some of this technology? And, you know, at the time, Kinesis had just been announced. Literally
1: just released, And
0: yeah. you know, we were thinking, about well, what can you do with real-time streaming? And, you know, if you had votes going through Kinesis as a real-time, you know, stream of messages, could we visualize it? And could we show, you know, kind of the impact of manipulation of votes occurring as we voted across a number of topics and then, what if we did that at scale? Mm-hmm. So I think you're talking about 22 million people in Australia. Yeah. Uh, what if we could do that at a million votes a minute or yeah. 17,000 transactions a second, second? Which back in 2014 was crazy uh, talk. Crazy talk. <laughs> These days, you could add a couple of zeros on the end of that, and uh, you'd be where some of the big, you know, advertising companies are in terms mm. of you know number of me- uh, messages per second they're actually processing.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: In production is.
1: So one of the things we like to do is to, is to get our hands on the tools and uh, practice what we preach. So at the time, we built what was a pretty progressive architecture at the time. If I, if I talk it through, and there'll be links in the show notes to some uh, some pictures from back in the day we dusted off the archives. And we had a, uh, a web-based front end built on S3 with CloudFront uh, that then could serve mobile clients, tablet clients, desktop clients, and that was feeding directly into a Kinesis stream. And that was then breaking off using some uh uh, Kinesis client library and also the Kinesis Redshift connector uh, that were running on hosts. Remember those? EC2 yeah, yeah. hosts? In an order scaling through. That's right. And that was where I got my hands dirty again in Java, and I still haven't recovered from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, you coached me through the, uh, the pain. <clears throat> and the data went through two, two particular channels. It went through a, essentially a real time channel, which was basically an uh, ElastiCache cluster of, uh, of Reddit in memory caches. And it also went into a Redshift data warehouse uh, directly. And then we had two forms of visualization. We had a what we called a Tallyroom app, which was a, a Ruby-based app built in Sinatra and deployed using Elastic Beanstalk. And that was visualized, again, through S3 uh, served web pages because we didn't want to manage any servers as much as we could. And then for analytics, we are using a, a partner solution from the AWS marketplace, uh, Jaspersoft. And so this worked, didn't it?
0: Well, eventually it did. Eventually <laughs> so I think the biggest did.
1: challenge was, remember, I think it was late one night I was working on it and I, I rang you up and said, um, I can't prove that this goes as fast as it can because I can't get enough data in. Yeah. Which was, you know, cue Super Glen.
0: <laughs> Aha! Well, this is where, you know, the interesting, you know, building an application that you think can achieve high performance uh, scale is one thing. How do you actually test it? Particularly, again, you know, how do you generate a million messages a minute. A minute. A minute. Uh, it sounded easy to
1: say a million a minute, didn't
0: it? Yeah, a million a minute. Uh, <laughs> thank God we did do a million a second back then. But uh,
1: you know, and it was it was exa- back back
0: in two thousand and forty, which is not that long ago. No, it's it was only be four honest. years ago. Uh, four years ago. You know, this is when you know C three, C 4s C 5s yeah. had just started yeah. to to come out, and we were pushing the boundaries on a lot of uh, these aspects. And by the way, you know, this is back when uh, things like Kinesis Client Library KCL mm. it was just being launched. Yep. I lost a whole day trying to get Java dependencies working <laughs> for it, which is an infamous story of one of the internal hackathons the team liked to remind me of. But, uh, you know, this is, we didn't have things, for example, like, uh, Kinesis, uh, producer libraries, no. for example. Yeah. KPL wasn't around. Uh, all of this was kind of cutting new ground. We had the service team actually working with us as well It's kind of as an interest. Yeah.
1: Let's mm. see yeah, what happens. When we push this thing, what is it going to do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and there was lots of learnings from it, but, uh, What was interesting was also then looking at this in terms of what were the costs involved with it as well. So we wanted to be pretty transparent around, because often we get feedback from customers, they hear this great technology, and it can sound pretty complex. I mean, you hear this today where people talk about serverless and all the components you need around the whole developer tool chain and uh, the monitoring systems and security frameworks you put around. If you haven't been living and breathing, you think, man, this sounds more complex mm, than just standing mm. up a physical server or an EC2 instance. And, uh, you know, that's pretty easy. I understand that. Uh, and it was interesting going through those same challenges back then.
1: And we proved it to be quite frugal, I think. It was
0: uh, less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Yeah. I think. That's Australian I think prices. Australian free.
1: prices, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty ridiculously cheap. In fact, I, if, I think one of my most fond memories of that demo that we did was when we put the pricing slide up, it's the first time I've heard an audible ooh yeah. from the audience on the pricing slide. <laughs> Usually you don't get that reaction. Yeah, so. No.
0: it was Well, again, it was – imagine, again, if you could say, let's do real-time voting of, a, of Australia, a population of 22 million people. I think it was like $13. Yeah, or know, something, something like around that. There, yeah. It was as the about. total cost yeah. uh, of doing that. That included everything from the website to the analytics to the streaming engine. Yep. Uh, and then we actually did a uh, – we looked then at the production side of it in terms of how did we actually produce the million messages. And, you know, that was really interesting as well because we, interestingly, got into the the decision that a lot of customers face is when should I upgrade my EC2 instances? Mm, you know, if I've mm. been using, back then it was uh, C3s that we yep. were using. C4s have been announced what's the actual performance difference? When's the break even point, when's the benefit, yeah. So in 2015, we actually went back and revisited this and looked at, well, what would happen if we were to refresh the application? And it's got one of the best data points, I still use it today, you know, three, four years later, which is by moving between instance families, if you look at the increase in your bang for buck in your performance, even though the instances sometimes may be a little bit more expensive, uh, in this particular use case for Sentimentizer, it was 255% wow. more performance dollar for dollar. Wow. Uh, just by upgrading the instance type. And yeah. the nice
1: thing—the nice thing was as well—given the architecture—is the upgrade of the instance type was really changing the autoscale scale group configuration. The launch click,
0: config. click of a mouse button didn't have to go back and deal with the nightmare of Java, <laughs> uh, which I think we both of us got scared Yeah, we've, from. we've
1: got that. We, we haven't moved on, have we? I can I can tell.
0: And, and you know, was before we had things like uh, you know, this is back on the Verse version of the Kinesis API. Yeah. You know, every message was a uh, API call. That's there was right. no, batching. no batch. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, using batch today, we get an yeah. order of magnitude improvement just by making that single
1: change. Correct. So so I think that that 2014 to 2015 transition is interesting because that's probably the the easier and more classic infrastructure focus, let's let's refresh the instance types, which you should do because you typically get good bang for your buck as we saw. But what we want to do today is to really sit down and and we haven't done well pretty much any planning for this so this is is by design. This is by design because the original sentimentizer was developed primarily over IRC chat at very odd hours of the day which was over a couple of weeks. Keeping it old school. Yeah it only took a couple of weeks to do in our sort of spare time because we have so much of that yeah and so what we thought we'd do is sit down together and think about with the tools we have available to us today how would we build the same solution and and it was interesting when i was on the plane yesterday i was sort of thinking through that process and, and for me it was reducing a lot of things that were in there that were complex but also adding things that add functionality that we just didn't have before
0: yeah yeah. So, I mean, things like serverless, for example, yeah. would allow us to simplify it. But at the same time, you and I were focused on the performance aspects and getting it ready for, uh, you know, a, a keynote presentation. And the yeah. challenge with keynote presentations isn't, uh, you know, a lot of time in the industry, there's always that question, are they really live or not? Well, yeah, I can tell yeah, you, yeah. Uh, this was live. Live so, as it gets. <laughs> so, therefore, it had to be absolutely bulletproof. Yeah. And so... While we looked at the performance characteristics, we didn't really actually look at the security aspects, which, again, if you're mm. looking at a voting app, yep. absolutely, people are going to try and game that system as much as they can. So I think maybe that's what we look at is where can we simplify, Simon? Yep. But then where would we make this more robust from a security posture? Because that's exactly. where the two biggest changes yeah. are being.
1: Yeah, and that's where I think you know neither of us were hugely happy with the approach we had where we had the… Uh, the interface which was based on S3 using a JavaScript SDK call to k- the Kinesis client library. What could go wrong with yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> using some, some lockdown but still fixed credentials, which was not great. So if we did it again, <laughs> uh, obviously Amazon Cognito would be the first point of call. Yeah. Because it means we can vend credentials.
0: Yeah, so Cognito is really good. We could use that uh, out through the mobile devices, through the browsers, uh, and that would allow us to... Not only identify users, but also start looking at things like fraudulent behaviors, for example, being able to tag a anonymous uh, user and making sure they're not voting multiple times, for yeah. example, off the same device. So there's lots of uh, additional things we could have done in reporting and measurement of uh, who the actual end users were in the original system. A vote was
1: effectively had none of that metadata associated right. with it. There was no there was no identity being tagged with the votes. No, no, exactly. And, and in many voting situations, that's by design as well. They don't want it to to be able to tie back a vote to someone, but for other applications, tying well, back is important.
0: Well, that's an interesting point, Simon, because there's there's this whole concept of you want to be anonymous and not be personally yeah. identifiable. Yeah. But I still need to be able to identify a device as a unique endpoint so that, you know, uh, again, people aren't doing multiple voting in the system. And so Cognito is really nice at being able to deal with it because it gives me lots of options where I could have authenticated usage where yep. I understand who the identity is or. Unauthenticated, but I can still track the end device exactly. uh, or the end
1: client, so that I can track that you know how many votes was it doing, was it being used inappropriately, for example. Exactly, and the, and the other benefit there is we take the reuse of any credentials off the table. So Correct. Credentials are constantly revended and are always fresh. the The other thing we could look at because one of the things that always sort of troubled me somewhat is we were we were writing directly to that Kinesis endpoint, which is great; it's a robust endpoint. Uh, however, probably not the best design pattern. Uh, for again some of the Uh, Other aspects you want to protect against. So things like throttling, if you want to give developer access to things, uh, if you want some sort of cost control, et cetera. So really, the Amazon API Gateway, I think, fits in as a proxy in front of that layer, which is actually pretty easy to set up.
0: Yeah. So, you know, this is one of the, sometimes I'd say the most misunderstood aspects of clean architecture is Mm. where are the abstraction points you want between the components? Yeah. And, you know, often when I look at and do reviews of uh, customers' applications, it's the failure of having the right abstraction points in the right places that is often where the weak or the brittle parts of their architecture is. And in this particular scenario, API gateway gives you just so much out of the box around, again, security controls, yeah. uh, you know, uh, telemetry data around what is happening, throttling, Cation. uh, version control. Yes. As we start then looking at, you know, maybe we have a bit of serverless Lambda uh, yeah. functions behind it, but API gateway it just allows us to do that. Or what about if we want to transform? What if we want to actually modify the data as it comes through uh, again we didn't really think about the lifespan of this and you know the reality simon is if we deploy this production you know let's say we had a little startup that was doing this mm. It's scary to think our code is likely to have still been in production. Yes,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> to this very day. <laughs>
0: this very day. And, uh, you know, that is something that you really have to think about. API Gateway gives you a really good mechanism to abstract that and, uh, you know, hide some of the internal aspects and make modifications to it, without exposing the dirty laundry.
1: Exactly. Uh, and, and, and it's interesting when you're looking at sort of upgrading a, a, an architecture like this. It's not just what you take away, but what you can leave. So the interfacing part, so the, the web page hosted on S3 with CloudFront in front. Totally valid. Wouldn't touch it unless you wanted to do some fancy schmancy UX. But aside from you that. You were doing serverless before it was serverless. <laughs> yeah, before it was cool. Before it was cool. <laughs> now, from a security perspective, we would obviously look to overlay things like AWS Shield for, for DDoS protection, those yep. types of components. Yeah,
0: Guard Duty as well. Yep. You know, I love Guard Duty. It's just amazing to me that with the click of a button, yeah. you can wrap your entire environment with, you know, cutting edge uh, machine learning analytics. And uh, you look at, you know, what is happening across the full of AWS in terms mm. of, that uh, you don't have to make any changes to no. your, your design or architecture kind of wraps around it. So absolutely, we would have done
1: that. Would have turned on CloudTrail as well just to be able to track all See the API calls. Happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, X-Ray as well. Yes. Which, uh, you know, actually, as you start getting into the microservices component, being able to track, for example, a vote end-to-end would mm. have been, you know, I remember some of the troubleshooting we were doing. Yes, where, yeah. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is when you're trying to hit a million... Uh, Simon and I are both pretty pedantic, precise people, <laughs> and so we're trying to hit exactly to exactly <laughs> one million. And there was a couple of messages that kept missing. You know, yeah. It was like you know seven or ten messages a minute would just disappear. Mm. Trying to understand where those seven or ten were going was a nightmare back then. In terms of you can imagine the the volume of logs we had of every yeah. single log transaction. X-ray would have been perfect for trying to uh, see what was actually happening in trouble. Exactly,
1: there. exactly. And the nice thing about all those things that we've just mentioned are they literally checkbox turn turn them on. Yeah, uh, And the other one I'd add to that as a, as a broad-based thing that we would change is obviously KMS, Key Management Service, yeah. which would enable all the services that support encryption, which are pretty much all of them, uh, to have that little checkbox done and, hey, presto, encrypted end-to-end. Yeah, and having the management systems around that. And it's interesting. So now if we think about that sort of the front end and some of the security components, a bit that we wouldn't change is the use of Kinesis. I, look, I still love Kinesis. People often say, yeah, what
0: is my favorite service? I, I, I love, I have a soft spot for Kinesis. But if you look at how Kinesis itself has evolved since then, mm. you know, it originally was just Kinesis streams. Yes. You know, it's kind of, you know, messages go in, you have your shards, uh, and then you have your consumers that pull it out. But now we have Kinesis analytics streams, mm-hmm. for example. You have Kinesis Firehose. Yep. You even have Kinesis video streams, which, yes. you know, that's a yeah. whole different topic of uh, how <laughs> that could be used. But, you know, some of the aspects like, you know, Kinesis analytics, uh, streams would have completely removed the consumer aspect for us of how to get data into S3 for audit details mm. as well as into Redshift directly. Uh, that would have taken out entire components uh, and one of your beloved autoscale groups.
1: Simon. Exactly, exactly. In fact, if we look, if we work through kind of the two legs of the, the back-end processing, we've got the long-term analytics leg and the real-time leg. Mm. If you look at the long-term analytics, you know, in the original design, we had the Kinesis Redshift connector, which was awesome because it just, Sucked out off Kinesis and chucked it into into Redshift for us, but we had to have a Redshift cluster running, yes. and for memory in the pricing, that was probably the one, of the, one of the biggest components. Costs, yeah, because yeah, sort of there's a fixed size you had to have. Um, in the in the new design, when we think about it, really, I would just have the Kinesis stream dumping out straight to S three, yeah, into the bucket yeah. using using files, and then using Athena to do the querying, because the querying wasn't that that on that particular system wasn't particularly frequent. Well, the, the lucky
0: thing we had too was the schema that we actually used for the voting yeah. data was relatively simple, simple and yeah. it was structured. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely great use case for using Athena to uh, use that and then pull reports out of that using QuickSight, for example. Exactly.
1: And, and probably the only the only adjustment we might make is, is maybe formatting that data into Parquet or, or something that would suit the types of queries we'd be running using Athena to minimise any of the data processing cost of that.
0: Correct. Well, yeah, another thing we could have done is, you know, we were only looking at a single use case of, you know, could we hit, you know, kind of for a couple of minutes on stage. Yeah. But, again, if you're storing stuff in a stream, it might have been good for us to use something like, uh, you know, having a Lambda function that could have done hourly roll-ups, for example, mm. so I could see hour-by-hour uh, summary data so that if I'm looking at, you know, when was the peak of the day. Yep. Uh, things like that are actually quite easy to do as a, as a streaming query,
1: for example. That's right. Uh, it could have just been dumped into, like, a DynamoDB table and presented yep.
0: To, yeah.
1: yeah. That's really good. And so so on the analytics side, and then, yeah, using using Amazon QuickSight would have made painting those screens really quick and easy and, and again, low-cost pay as you go, which would yeah. be nice. I like
0: low-cost. No servers? No servers. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how we're all allergic to servers.
1: I now. know. Well, yeah. it just was, you know, we so we've, we've got rid of, you know, one of the auto-scaling groups already that did the connector, um, so there's no servers to manage, and we've got a nice reporting line. But really what was probably one of the more complex parts for the day was the real-time component, wasn't it? It was that, that feeding... Through the the KCL into Elastic Cache. Um, in fact, we I think we even made a shift from from MemCache into to Redis. Redis. That's
0: right. So we had the atomic uh, counters. Yeah,
1: yeah, because we needed that that performance. And and to to be fair, um, the the Elastic Cache service has come a long way since since we were using well, the it, Redis. Release yeah, now thing, we yeah. could
0: have actually a, a multi AZ. Uh, uh, protection from that, and we could also be looking at how to synchronize that with DynamoDB, for example.
1: Exactly, exactly. But but now I'd look to, to get rid of that, and also, um, you know, I would have retired my dusty old uh, Ruby-based Sinatra tally room app. Showcasing my immense Ruby skills. <laughs> I almost, I almost would love to find that code and just. Oh, I've it. got it still, and I'm not <laughs> sharing it with anyone. Um, it wasn't great, but it did. You know, as with many things, and we all know in software design, sometimes doing the job <laughs> is what you need. But in this case, really, what I think we could do is probably take out the Elastic component, take out the KCL auto scaling group, take out the Beanstalk Sinatra mm-hmm. app. Mm-hmm and use Kinesis analytics Absolutely. to actually
0: pull that data yeah okay. and then we could have found Presented that uh, in DynamoDB, and then had a simple website that pull starter off. Uh, use things like, uh, for example, Dyna- Dyna- uh, DynamoDB Accelerator, for example, if mm. you're worried about performance aspects. Yeah, because uh, yeah. that was the, one of the other things is yes. looking at where the hotspots are in each of these components. Mm, uh, mm. And so there's again great new technology out there.
1: It's a good point you mentioned that because I remember during the design phase of the original system, the original intent was to use DynamoDB. As, as the landing zone originally. And then we sort of, when we started doing, running some numbers and thought about- A million Partition management, yeah. DB. Which, which interesting enough, you know, DynamoDB itself has done a lot of work in terms of hotspot management, et cetera, where it probably could, could actually serve the purpose now that we want to do then. But back then we said, no, we need to go in memory to just kind of take that off the table altogether. DAX actually gives us that happy middle ground now where we could use it if
0: we wanted could, to. could, yeah. A lot of the decisions we made were based on this you know, kind of financial number that we were wanting mm, to hit, that's which correct. was trying yeah. to see how could you do this but do it as cheaply as possible from an infrastructure point of view. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, if you fast forward four years now and you review this, you kind of say, well, what would the trade-off be between what's the infrastructure cost versus the operational cost of yes. actually uh, supporting this long-term uh, at a production level of quality? And this yeah. is where I think we would make different trade-offs and simplify down and use DAX and other things.
1: And that's the thing is you're, you're always balancing constraints, technical constraints, financial constraints, and, and what were constraints back then aren't necessarily the same constraints now. Well,
0: the constraints are different. It's, you know, you know, we're changing the constraints ourselves hmm. by looking at this, uh, you know, with 2020 vision in hindsight, Yeah. Saying, yeah. okay, you know, what would we do? Uh, there's certain parts of the code base here I would never want to touch again. No. Uh, you know, one, <laughs> of, one of the things I remember doing is, you know, when we had to uh, write the producer code to mm. actually uh, populate it, uh, you know, the, the libraries at the time, even the AWS SDK, it was pretty heavy in terms of its SIG v4 signing, which mm. is actually how each of the API calls is, is signed. And so, in my infinite wisdom, I thought oh, I'll just reverse engineer and hand code that <laughs> uh, in good. Java. <laughs> yeah, I still pay for the sins of that I think, <laughs> when I look at it. But, but you know, that's what we had to do to yeah. try and get the the level of throughput that we were trying to do and the latency. And because one of the things you really wanted to show was. If it's real time, you know, we had some controls that we had on the on the laptop mm. on stage mm. that you know, I think there was four different topics we were voting yep. against. Yep. And you had the kind of live worm. So you might remember this if you've ever watched things like election debates, mm. for example, you can see that real-time sentiment analysis of and it's it's flowing as people's talk. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to do. Exactly. And so as you move that dial on stage saying, Okay, it's positive, now let's change it negative, the producer had to shift its content uh, in real time. And and so any later. Latency that built up in the system, you know. If it, mm. you know, one of the things we looked at, for example, was well, could we use SQS to yes, actually kind right. of yes. populate into SQS and, and then, then have SQS pumping into Kinesis, But what that was doing was adding latency, yeah. and you know, if it was uh, producing consuming at a different rate. Well, as you move that dial on stage, it'd be a bit awkward if you're like, okay, we're now yeah. making and positive, now we wait, <laughs> and now we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. Whereas uh, we did
1: that, was it was it was basically it was pretty instantaneous. instantaneous. Yeah. 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 And the interesting thing then is that is that the existing visualization components, so we had we had a a site called Pulse which was the real-time average of voting sentiment and something called Tea Leaves which basically told you the total of all votes across all uh, sentiment topics. Again that visualization could stay the same or we could draw from a lot of the sophistications from Kinesis Analytics to actually drive probably a better I'd argue visualization than we had, particularly around things like you know, sliding windows, sliding averages. Absolutely. That sort of stuff, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> we sort of I think we sort of said we're not that's not part of our MVP for this. No. Whereas now it'd be like, yeah, for sure I'd do that. Well,
0: or even take it a step further and do predictions. Yeah. So yeah, you know, what if we start Trends, taking SageMaker, yeah. for example, and coming up with a model around based on patterns of behavior? Could we predict where the voting is going to go? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it going to keep trending up or is it going to flatten off? So again, there's all these new opportunities that back then, I mean, it was the stuff of science fiction, to be exactly. honest, back in 2014, thinking yeah. of how we would yeah. do this.
1: Well, even, even thinking back then, I mean, we used, we used cloud formation and, and some other tooling to, to do deployments. I think we did a, a sort of a pull model onto the servers, which now you just use code deploy to do. Um, but in, in our particular model, given that we've pretty much eliminated all the, all the, um, the
0: service. componentry
1: We just use yeah. SAM to deploy it and be done.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a actually really interesting point. I haven't thought about the development tool chain. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah we were about still uh, you know SCP. Uh, yeah, there was uh, yeah, jar was, files
1: around. There's a and, lot of jar uh, files. There was, and we had from memory, we would upload the do- we'd upload the packages to S3, and then the AMI would pull down correct. from S3. Yeah. So we could, we could do a, a form of rolling update, but it was pretty much hand-rolled. It was hand-rolled, and I think we even had the uh, Master Gold AMIs that yes, we, we, we cooked. Yes, yeah, we yeah, cooked them, yeah.
0: Uh, you know, this is, it's fascinating because, I mean, it's been years since I've even had that style of conversation with customers yeah, yeah. around you know what we used to do back
1: uh, AMI, back then, baking yeah. an AMI. I because we baked the AMIs because when the auto-scaling group kicked in, which you did during the demo, we wanted it to spin up as quickly as possible. Correct. Whereas now in this model, we've got the, the Kinesis, which would manage itself now, whereas we were managing it, or it was, it was being managed in concert with the KCL. Correct. Now it would do it itself, and we wouldn't have to scale those, um, those auto-scaling groups we had because there's, no, there's no, that load process is gone.
0: Yeah, and this is one of the greatest simplifications mm. uh, in the industry. Is just as you now think about scaling these applications, as you move towards more of serverless and managed components, a lot of them do a lot of the heavy lifting themselves. That uh, you I mean you can focus on. There's aspects like you know what is the analytics data we could have. You know, as you were so mm. just saying, you know, it opens up all these new possibilities around you know what would be better metrics we could get from the data back in 2014 we were too busy on the engineering side yeah. of actually you know trying to build the underlying capabilities yes. which there that was works. no alternatives back then
1: exactly and and i think there's a there's a mental model thing here that's important and and i think everyone has a maybe a different perspective on it but it's it's when you build something like we put a lot of hours into this in our own time and we were passionate about it and we we're excited about it and we're, pr- we're proud of it as, as much as we're also embarrassed we, of
0: we, we've never gone back and done it again though <laughs> no that's true
1: that's true. But. Uh, but really w- there needs to be a willingness to turn around and look at a design like this and say, yep, what can we get rid of and do it cheerfully. Like I'm I'm, I'm celebrating every auto-scaling group we get rid of, every AMI we get rid of, every server. Like I think that's a good thing even though I spent hours on that tally room app and it's going to go, I need to have that mental mindset to say I'm happy that it goes. That's a good thing.
0: Well, this is the, the technical debt. Yeah, you know, yeah. And even in even in brand new Greenfields applications that you're building today. You just have to start realizing what is that I'm building today, even on some of these cutting-edge technologies, that will actually be technical debt tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, again, this is why I'm a big fan of the make sure you really understand where those abstraction points you're building in, like API Gateway and surrounding everything, because if you have those in the right places – as new uh, services come on board, that may allow you to swap out entire components. Yeah, API gateway just hides that. You yeah. can actually run in parallel for a part. Uh, you know, it's a really powerful concept of a well-designed architecture.
1: The, the other thing to think about is, is, you know, this wouldn't necessarily have to be a complete wholesale change in one go. Using that that form of abstraction, you know, you could you could do one arm of it at a time. and see if you're happy with how we're progressing as well this is
0: you know again uh, this is before you know kind of microservices was was all the rage but again you know if you look at I know you're going to share some of the diagrams uh, Mm. through the website but you'll have a look at it a lot of it's kind of small components. Yep, it was decoupled
1: and, uh, as much as we could. It was
0: decoupled. And you know, I love the the definition I love using for microservices, you know, because there's lots of different definitions of what it is. It's just, you know, could you rewrite the entire component in under two weeks? Yep. It's one person. Yep. And yes, it's true for a lot of these. Uh you know, we could have swapped out things, we could have swapped out that whole redshift stream, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. uh without affecting the real-time tally system, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we could have done the reverse uh, as well. So exactly. again good, clean design, uh, some of those decisions we made up front, looking at it now four years later, it would be, yep, okay, I can see how we could have upgraded this piece by piece.
1: Yeah, and also now it's it's, it's mainly configuration of, of, of the system rather than creation of the system, which means if we think about this voting app, one of the other benefits of the voting app was when it was done, we could turn it off. Now, let's say, you know, it's, a, it's Australia, we have elections fairly re- frequently given the political situation sometimes, but imagine if you used it in, in anger. Uh, every time you spun up that stack, even though it would be, cloud, let's say the old one was cloud formation, we can turn it off when we're not using it. But when we spin it up again, we have to go through all the AMIs, yeah. p- refresh them, patch them up, make new golden images, make sure everything is is the levels it needs to be. Whereas in this new model that we're talking about, that doesn't happen at all. So there's an immediate saving on that.
0: Well, exactly. It's, a, again, all that low-level, undifferentiated heavy lifting around the operational management of you know, operating systems, patches... Uh, even you know, getting rid of the Java JAR files. Yeah, oh, uh, I please. mean, <laughs> uh, you know, when I when we went in 2014, we first deployed, in twenty fifteen, 2015, you yeah, know, I did go through and kind of upgrade a lot of the libraries. Mm. It was just days of effort yeah. uh, of just the interdependencies, yeah, and then you know, why, this didn't work. Uh, like, yeah, uh, I just, think that's maybe why I'm an architect, not a developer. <laughs> um,
1: it just it just goes away. The other thing I like, and that was sort of glossed over a little bit, but I'm to come back to, it, is that. Pervasive encryption at every level. You know, at the, yes. at the time we were doing, an encryption needed work to do. So, for example, on the, on the EC2 instances, we had to use agents to do that. Correct. We didn't have yeah. EBS encryption at the time,
0: and there was um, a big performance penalty. Yeah,
1: there was a, exactly exactly. Whereas now, the work that's been done across the services to to literally have it as a checkbox component with rotatable keys as well. Yes, yep. um, means that we could deploy this in a in a highly secure manner without architectural overhead without performance overhead without cost overhead it just it would be crazy it opens up
0: new possibilities you know what if we wanted to have this as a multi-tenanted solution uh where we had you know multiple customers running multiple in parallel voting systems you know using kms and rotating keys per vote tally for example per customer by the i mean the level of sophistication we have to customize this from start all the way through to storage Mm, is mm. really really quite powerful
1: Mm. The The other thing I think that's nice here as well is, you know, we, we did a lot of work, as you mentioned, on the financial aspects to try and make it operate as cheaply as possible. We still, there was a consideration, for example, that, you know, the tally room app was a, was a, a best practices you know it was two AZs at the time uh, deployed application with an ELB so you had that yeah. component wasn't doing a lot of work but it, it cost, oh, it was, cost it was money insurance run. exactly didn't yeah. want to fail um, we had the Redshift cluster which by definition is a cluster Correct. of at least three nodes so we already had that going um, those were components that that had a cost and, and it was a more coarse grain cost and so we we did we spent a lot of time thinking about what those auto scaling levels were particularly for the Kinesis client library that was going to get hammered Yes, what that was going to be and that's what you did in 2015 as well you really revisited that. In this model, it's all serverless, so it literally is paid by, paid paid by as as you go, paid for what you use. So the granularity of the cost model is going to be essentially perfect. Really. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: so, if, I mean, if there's no votes occurring. Yep. Literally is going to cost zero. Yeah. Uh, you know, as it goes through and then as the votes start spinning up again, uh, they come up. And again, it's, it's pretty powerful, but simple. When you think about, you can actually start articulating this as a cost per vote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and so that means, you know, if you're working within a, a startup, for example, and you were thinking this is going to be a, a revenue stream, being able to say, well, what would happen if we start, you know, trying to collect like a billion votes over a month? Well, mm-hmm. what would the cost look like? Mm-hmm. What's the revenue look like? Are you going to be profitable or not? Um, which then it opens up a, an interesting question, which is when should I upgrade some of these components? Yeah, you yeah. Know, when's the right time? When's the right time? And you know, we see this at all levels. You know, even in, still in the EC two world, as we keep coming up with new EC two instance families that are. Uh, you know, even faster performance or tuned to particular workloads. Uh, you know, the data and when we go and do the performance testing, it still shows that being an early adopter and being able to upgrade from, you know, for example, C3s to C5s and take advantage of those new Intel processors, for example, the performance benefits you get dollar for dollar. Can be dramatic. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, now, sometimes you 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 run into things like around the application code and will it scale or not? Yep. Yep. Uh, but as you start shifting away from even the EC two instances into some of these serverless components, the nice thing is one is there's a level level of work you have to do to shift to that. But once you're on it. As AWS, we keep investing in those services ourselves, and you know, for example, with Kinesis Streams, we uh, did some investments, uh, I think it was in the last 12 months, where we really focused on latency, for yeah. example, end-to-end latency, yeah. and what I love about that is as a customer of using Kinesis, I got that advantage, and I didn't have to change my code, no. I didn't have to, there's no different real cost,
1: it's just the latencies overall yeah. drop. It's all upside, uh, yeah. Yeah. you just get a better performance for, for, for no, no investment. Now, the the other thing I think it's interesting to reflect on now I think about it is back in the day when we thought, oh, online voting, wouldn't that be a cool thing? Um, It was pretty early days and people were like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) It it felt like a bit of a, is this really going to happen? I was just reflecting that uh, we recently had the Australian Marriage Equality Survey (laughs) conducted by the Australian Bureau of Statistics in Australia, and there was an online component of that. And they actually built a completely serverless platform on AWS, not exactly how we've designed it here, but somewhat similar. Um, and they tested it to, I think it was 400 uh, times the load of the census because they wanted to be sure it worked and, of course, it did. But it's interesting to see customers using this in in a production environment that the serverless mode of deploying high-scale critical infrastructure is, is here and now.
0: Yeah, it's it's important. Be able to measure things in real time and quickly is, is super important. I always use the example of if you think about call centers, for example, being able to see the real-time sentiment analysis, for Mm, example, mm. of what customers uh, are trying to call about or uh, product performance or website performance allows you that if you can see that real-time you can adjust how you're responding to customers, with the insights you're giving, or you know the sales performance of a product versus the old way, which would be you know end of day batch reporting yeah. or some organisations end of week. Yeah. You know it's by too the late. time you've got it's too late. You've just missed the entire opportunity to uh, identify or get an insight as to what's happening, how you could respond to that, and give real time feedback to your customers about what they could do to drive you know either revenue or a better support or just you know kind of a better customer experience. Uh, it's amazing just how much of the industry is still working off kind of, you know, batch, but it's Mm. it's a big shift that's occurring.
1: It's an evolution. and I think it's exciting to see customers adopting this and and doing it. And I guess uh, I think the big message from us is if you've built something in the past, particularly if you've built on AWS, take the time to sit down and get on a whiteboard and just think about how you might build it differently today.
0: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, looking at this, it would be great to actually take some of our new hires, for example. And, uh, you know, just as a training exercise, how would you refactor this? And, you know, by the way, the way that, uh, you know, Simon and I have run through this, This was just again, you know, us kind of, you know, riffing on what Mm, it is. There are lots of different ways we could have done this. Again, yep. depending on what those requirements and what the goals are uh, that we'd be trying to hit on this, you know, things. For example, if we really want to make this bulletproof, yeah, what about multi-region? Exactly. Uh, you yeah. know, could yeah. we do this? What if we wanted to run a global vote? Mm. Uh, you know, mm. how would we break that up and yeah. have uh, content collected close to where the end users are and then aggregate? And then aggregate. Back That's in. where multi-master DynamoDB comes in. Correct. And then, yeah, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah. Global yeah. replication yeah. services. Yeah. So you know, again, it's really about you know where do you want to take these. types? Types of things, and that's what I love about refactoring is yeah. you know, how far do you want to take it?
1: Well, I was thinking, I mean, you're going to go back to Seattle after this. I was thinking, you got what, a good 15 hours on the plane, surely. <laughs>
0: Just rewrite it? Yeah, just uh, do it on the
1: plane. Just whip yeah. it up. The
0: good thing about planes is uh, Wi-Fi access is still pretty, pretty spotty, bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: too, pretty spotty. Looks like we'll give it to the interns then. <laughs> we'll give it to the interns. <laughs> I think we're just good saying so. interns could build what we built back they, four years they, ago. They absolutely could. In fact, it's, it's interesting how, if I look at the complexity that required us to work on it, it's not there anymore. It's no, really not there anymore.
0: But that's a good thing, right? Yeah. This, this constant simplification and, you know, this continuous iterative approach to yep. you know, how do we just keep making this simpler and simpler and you know in the this year's uh, Summit Keynote series for example we actually mm. talked about this concept that everybody's a builder yep. you know back when we did this we were still leveraging our engineering yeah. talent you know we're still cutting code it was a barrier to entry
1: yeah, barrier to entry yeah. reality... first start with Java <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you know, yeah which idea you're going to use well, it's, not yeah, a, it. it's That's another true. whole podcast <laughs> debate
0: but uh, you know you look at it today a lot of this could be done for example by you know uh, data scientists or a- analysts around it or operations people looking at yep. to how they could do it, you don't need to cut as much code, if any code, uh, as you get through this. And again, if you look at where is this going in the future, you're just going to see this pattern uh, going where hopefully it's going to be you know, kind of almost drag and drop uh, yeah, architectural yeah. components of you know how do I use serverless components, stitch them together visually to create some pretty
1: complex application outcomes. For sure, for sure. Well, it's just, I guess to sum up, you know, it's really about building the best system you can at the time with the constraints that you have and then celebrating the fact that you can go back with relatively low friction and make it better later on.
0: Yeah, and look, I, I really encourage you, look at what applications you may have built that you think were cutting edge in the last couple of years. Uh, pull them out and sort of have a go at refactoring them. Just see it's, it's actually pretty surprising looking at this, just how much has changed. Uh, you don't really... You know, when you're looking at it on a daily basis yeah, of just changes of change coming change, through, yeah. about you know, with more than a thousand plus changes every year coming yeah. through the platform these days, uh, it's a really good exercise. So yeah, it's great
1: to go through this with you, Simon. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. My pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. AdaBoost Podcast at Amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.